remembers the passage of scripture. Listen up. Hey, hey, bring it in, bring it in. Who remembers the passage of scripture that started this whole series? It's been a while. I don't think Caitlin mentioned it last sermon. Luke was the last one to mention. What you got there, Luke? 55. John, you want to put it up there? Isaiah 55. Should be the first passage of scripture I have. I got them up there for you, John. It should be up there. They're good. So I, I condensed this one. This one's just, instead of starting at 6, we're starting at 8. So read this with me. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. That's so aggressive. Next one. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Am I able to get this back there, or is it too late? I'm like, I don't want to keep putting a kink in my neck. (laughs) We'll see if it works. No, it wasn't. It might have got turned off. Who knows? Anyways, yes, this is the passage. You guys, simmer, simmer. Oh, I think it's, I don't think it's uh, sensing it, Katie. HDMI 1. Oh, yeah, we got to. Stop this smart cast. There we go. There. Yes, it is Brandon's birthday. All right, fine, might as well. Day to you. Happy birthday, dear Brandon. So what? So was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was. John the Baptist was. There's a lot of people. Paul was. Want me to keep going? People that changed the world. Big deal. <laughs> so, all right. Hey, listen up. I got a lot to get through here, okay? So please, bear with me. Let's go, all right? So... As Caitlin shared last week, we started Advent, and she talked about Jesus being in the mess. Just because it's not perfect doesn't mean it's not God, right? And I think that's absolutely true. And that should be something that comforts every one of us, right? That just because our life isn't always perfect doesn't mean that those moments that's not perfect are totally on us, and God was never there. It's not true. And then Luke shared with Joseph, the Old Testament, found in Genesis, and he shared, there's a specific quote that he said, I was listening, and I wrote this down, and I'm like, I think that just confirms what I need to preach on. So he talked about how Joseph, honestly, he went through hell and back. <gasps> oh, he did. It was rough. He had, uh, no, that was Cain. <laughs> he went through a lot of hardship, a lot of challenges, a lot that were not on him. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't like he kept 
heaping problem after problem on his life by his behavior and his choices. That's not what happened. But he, Luke specifically said, Joseph fought back, but through humility and letting God fight his battles. And I thought that was really, really important and super key. And the whole focus of this sermon is on one word from that quote. What do you guys think it is? Joseph fought back, but through humility. Luke, Luke nailed it. That's right. Yeah, I'm talking about fighting <laughs> through humility. <laughs> yeah. One word, humility. That's what I want to talk about. When it comes to the Christmas story, what is humility defined as? What do you guys think humility is? How would you define it? Have any takers in trying to describe humility? Titus, what you got? Yes. I <laughs> guess. What's ridiculous, though, you go... I went to the Webster's Dictionary, and I looked up the definition of humility, and it's containing the, uh, you know, whatever of being humble. <laughs> That's what it literally says. I'm like, this is not what I'm looking for. Obviously, it means you have the humbleness about you. But what's a little bit better definition? So, I mean, he gave, he gave a Webster's Dictionary definition, so why not? <laughs> Anyone else? What does it mean to be humble, then? I'll ask that. What is being humble? CJ. When you're proud to do something? Mm, no. That is a form of being humble, yes. That's an example, I would say. I don't know if that's quite a definition. What you got? Uh, no, he actually, he, uh, he nailed it. You like dark chocolate? Sweet. There you go. Hi, Bailey. How's it going? So go ahead and put the quote up there. He must have heard this quote before. You want to put the quote from C.S. Lewis up there, John? Thank you. All right. This is a man, C.S. Lewis. He lived quite a while ago. I don't remember when he passed away, but he, he, has, he had written a lot of Christian books. And, I mean, these, these books are pretty groundbreaking theology. They're really awesome stuff. Um, really, really smart guy. And one way that he defines humility is humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Now, how many of you are like, what does that mean? Raise your hand. Anyone understand this? So, yes, I mean, it's caring about other people more than yourself. Now, I think there's a couple really important aspects with this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. This is something I think there's this, there's this aspect of false humility out there of like, oh, yeah, I'm not really that great. You know, like, that's, that's not really true humility, okay? <laughs> that's, that's just self-deprivation. That's just putting yourself down. <laughs> so there's that aspect. And then it's thinking of yourself less. 
that is really what true humility is, it, which means you're thinking of other people what? More. You're thinking of other people more than yourself. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting rid of all my candy bars tonight, okay? <laughs> not happening. Now listen, this is really, really difficult to do. Would you guys agree? And I would argue this is really, really, really difficult to do today, especially for teenagers. I mean, you guys, I mean, I'll be honest, you guys are pitted so much with a top dog mentality of trying to up each other all the time, trying to get everyone's attention, right? You're trying constantly to be noticed, to be recognized, to stand out. I lost the game. <laughs> oh, John. Turn your phone off. <laughs> it's the next thing. <laughs> My mom wouldn't care. <laughs> My mom was that mom that would always lose on purpose so her kids would win, so she doesn't care. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I'll be honest. When it comes to today, I mean, think about it. There is so much today in society. Zeke, Mose, pay attention. There is so much today that is trying to get you guys to brag about yourself, right? I mean, every single aspect of social media is saying, I want to be famous. I want to be number one. I want to be most important. And I am most important. And everyone needs to figure that out. Right? That's what social media does. That's what TikTok does. That's what Twitter does. Instagram, whatever you guys are using, Snapchat. I mean, Snapchat's what? Literally, you just taking a picture of yourself and sending it to people all the time. <laughs> it's so self-absorbed, right? How can you have Snapchat and not be thinking about yourself constantly? That just further solidifies my point that your face is precisely what they need to see. <laughs> I'm saying, no, guys, listen to me. Listen. That's precisely my point. Listen to this quote again. It's thinking of yourself less. True humility is putting yourself in the back seat and saying, you take the driver's seat. It's saying, you get first in line. It's saying, let me be inconvenienced for your benefit. Yes. I'd say that uh, Chick-fil-A has humility down pretty pat. <laughs> Now let's, let's take a biblical look from Scripture at what humility is defined as. John, if you want to pull up the next passage of Scripture, Philippians 2. This passage here, I think, perfectly describes humility. Paul is talking to the church, and he's describing to them how to have a humble attitude in life. So this is what he says. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. So he's reminding them, have this mind, but if you're in Jesus, it's readily available to you. It's not like there's some magical thing you have to do in order to obtain this. 
It's not like you have to go to confession over and over, and then after so many times, say so many Hail Marys, so many things, to get this. No, it's readily available. You're in Christ, Jesus. You have his mind. Use it. Use it already. So he says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God. Guys, listen up. Listen up. This is the big focus of the entire sermon, okay? Hey, what is going on? Do I need to move you? Yes. I said you don't need to say the Hail Marys. All right? One last strike, I'm moving you, okay? He did not count equality with God a thing to be what? Are you guys paying attention? Follow along. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied by taking the form of a being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Right? So here's the thing. Talking about Advent series, what is Christmas all about? Jesus. But what about Jesus? Because there's another holiday that's all about Jesus too, right? When Jesus was born, the importance of Jesus being born and that our Savior was born. It was miraculous. It's amazing, right? We needed it to happen. But this defines humility in saying Jesus coming was humility. Him choosing to come to us to dwell among us, which is what Emmanuel, God with us, means is that he came to dwell with us. Oh, you guys are so quiet when I first get up here and I say, how's everybody doing? And you shut up. Switch the gear. <laughs> when I call on you, make noise. When I'm talking, though, right? Okay? The whole aspect of Jesus coming to earth is humility. Like, guys, it is humility in its purest sense. John 1, verse 2 and 3, John in his gospel, he lays out the beginning all the way back to the beginning of everything. In the beginning was the Word, is what First John says, 1, the, the first verse in John. So then it says in John, the next verse, 2 through 3, he was in the beginning with God. This is talking about Jesus, okay? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. God made everything. And he was there when all of it happened. He was the whole way it even happened. This is what this is saying. God made everything, and Jesus was there. Jesus being born wasn't the beginning of Jesus. 
I want you guys to understand that. And it's a hard thing to grasp. It's a hard thing to understand. Like, wait, because I know for myself, when I was born, that was like, that was the beginning of me. How can you say that Jesus being born wasn't the beginning of me? It, because Jesus was eternal. Yes. Jesus is God. That's why. So, Jesus had all the comforts, all the benefits, everything in heaven. He had all of it. And he chose to leave all of the good, all of the comforts. I mean, we here on earth, there's so many people that fight and fight and strive and do everything to get to heaven, right? And he chose to leave it. I mean, think about that. That's crazy. And he chose to leave heaven in order to save us because he knew we couldn't save ourselves. And so he had every right and every ability just to say, you know what? I'm just going to get rid of all of them and start over. <laughs> start from scratch. I'll hit the reset button. Have the entire earth get blasted by a massive asteroid and then just restart. Or just maybe start a whole new planet. Why not? <laughs> I'll try Mars. But he didn't. Instead, he chose to use humility to save us, to set an example of us how to live, which is to be humble as we walk on this earth. Him coming and being a baby is the most humble thing. Guys, a baby is the most simple, helpless form of a human. <laughs> like, they're helpless. They can't do anything for themselves. <laughs> And think about it, God coming to earth and saying, you know what, I'm going to have them take care of me for a period of time. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> it's a little messed up. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's strange that that's what God chose to do. He said, a mother is going to care for him for a period of time. A father is going to care for him. Now, obviously, God is also in control, but he used people to bring about him into the world. People that are broken and not perfect. Now Jesus was raised up, which is what Paul was saying. But he was raised up not by himself. That's what humility is. Pride says, I'm going to put myself on the pedestal. But he allowed God to raise him up. He took the form of a servant. Right? That's what it says humbled himself, becoming obedient even to the point of death. And Jesus chose to come to earth and live with us. But then he also chose to live with us and like us. Like, he could have just came to earth and walked around as God, like just full attribute, full glory, reigning like crazy, Right? But he didn't. He had total ability to just walk around and be like, everybody worship me. I'm awesome. I'm amazing. Y'all need to get it figured out. <laughs> no, smite. <laughs> but he didn't do that. No, instead he chose to actually walk around. I was talking to Caitlin about this, that it was like he walked around like a hobo almost. <laughs> like he was homeless. He never had a place that was his Permanent address. We think about that. 
He left everything in heaven and chose to live with nothing when everything was readily at his disposal. He had the whole world, right? We sing the song. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. But he chose to, like, let it go. That, guys, I'm just studying this. It's just blown my mind, the humility of Jesus and how humble he was that he, he would even do such a thing. Now imagine Jesus as a teenager. Right? I mean, I can't think of a perfect teenager. That's how hard this is. <laughs> I'm like, gosh. <laughs> I mean, imagine. Imagine. You know exactly who you are. You are the stuff. You're amazing. You're going to save the universe. And you don't walk around with an inflated ego. How crazy is that? <laughs> that a teenager could walk on the earth and not be like, yeah, worship me. I'm awesome. I mean, there's teenagers that walk around thinking they are God without actually being him. And, and he was God, and he walked like a servant. He walked as somebody who served everybody else. He was the guy that went to the back of the line at lunch every time. He was the guy that sat at the table with all the rejects. He's the guy that chose to be picked last every time. Think of every humbling situation in your school, every humbling situation in your family. He's the one that chose to take the trash out every time. He did the dishes. He's the oldest I mean, he was, but... <laughs> I don't, uh, he, he did get forgotten. There is a passage of scripture about that. Uh, where did he go? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. But you guys, I mean, it's comical to think about this, right? It's comical to think about this. But I want you guys to think about this because this is the position that you guys are in. You guys are teenagers, right? Except for you leaders, right? You have opportunity to choose humility. Jesus happened to do it every time, right? He was given opportunity after opportunity to step forward and push his agenda, be prideful, and say, listen, I just, I'm just going to tell you I'm right already, so just listen to me. <laughs> you know, like, he could have done this stuff. But he never did. For whatever reason. He chose to take the low road. He was showing us how to live, the right way to walk on the earth, the right way to get stuff done. It's so opposite of how the world's way is, right? I was thinking about this. He waited 30 years before he stepped into his mission on earth. Really, think about that. He knew exactly who he was for years and years and years. He knew he, he was the Savior. He knew he, 
he was going to save the world. He knew who he was going to be. And not just knew who he was going to be, but who he already was. I mean, people came from miles and miles away to pay homage to him and say, you are king, and gave him extravagant gifts. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he waited 30 years before he decided to step into what God wanted him to do. He just said, God, I'm just going to take it at your pace, however fast or slow it might be, and just let you get me to where you want me to go. He had to have had opportunity to step into it sooner. Yet he let God do it his way. Now I want to share with you an example in Scripture found in Luke, Luke 18. This is what I feel like we would act like if we were God. Like imagine if we were fully God, had all of his attributes, all of his abilities, all of his power at our disposal. This is how the way the Pharisees walked. So he's telling this parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector, which in their society at the time was like total contrast. Pharisees are totally righteous. Tax collectors are complete trash bags. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what. So here, he, this is what Jesus says. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. I mean, this is literally the exact opposite of humility, right? And treated others with contempt. Don't know what it means? Google it. Afterward. <laughs> and it says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, not just one. <laughs> I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, have mercy be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. If anyone had the right on earth to behave this way, like the Pharisee, it was Jesus, right? I mean, if anyone had this ability to do it and not be wrong. Because honestly, if you read the Gospels and you study the Scriptures, Pharisees were extortioners. They extorted the people. They did. They were unjust. And they did commit adultery. They did these things. So for him to say these things, it's not even true. Okay? But for Jesus to say these things, it would be. Yet he never looked at others with contempt, but with compassion. He never looked at other people as the problem and saying, you know what, I'm really way better than you. <laughs> That's not the attitude that he had, right?
He never looked at other people that way. Now, if I was Jesus and I came to earth, and I lived for a few years, at some point I'd be like, you know what? Forget this. Peace out. Y'all suck. (laughs) You are the worst. I can't do this. I'm supposed to help you guys? You guys are helpless. Yeah. But he never did that. In fact, when he saw our brokenness, he actually weeped over it. It moved him. It broke him. It brought him to compassion in a way that it moved him. CJ, ask these questions, Edward. (laughs) He was born into this world, which is the most humbling thing God could ever do, right? And he lived this life never for himself for 33 years. In fact, him living a life here is precisely not about himself. Because he never had to do it. Ask the questions afterwards. And the amazing thing is, is that he finished the work God had for him to do, which was to save us. For 33 years, I would imagine he was tempted for 33 years to call it quits at some point and say, you know what, this really isn't worth the suffering. I can't do this anymore. This is really painful, really difficult. These people do not listen to me. I can't do this anymore. But he never did. He went all the way to the end. Like it said in the passage I read at the beginning, that he was obedient even to what? Even to death. Death on the cross. At any point, it even says in Scripture that he could have called down a legion of angels while he was on the cross and said, take care of them. But he never did. He could have done it right up into the end where he wasn't quite dead yet. And then got off of the cross and like just went ham on people. <laughs> that would be crazy, but no, he didn't do that. He finished all the way to the end. Which gives me the final point I want to bring up to you guys. I wanted you guys to get this idea of humility. What does humility look like? It's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. How much do you think about yourself versus other people? I could have answered that for you guys already. Learning humility now, guys, guys, learning humility now is going to save you guys so much heartache later. It's going to save you so much frustration, so much difficulty. It's going to save you from having horrible relationships in your life, including romantic ones. Guys, you want to find a good husband or wife one day? You're not going to find it by being a total prideful jerk because you're going to find prideful jerks. That's what's going to happen. You guys want good people to come to you and date you? Then be a good person. <laughs> I'm just going to say it now. Like, you guys would do well to work on humility now, not your romantic interests now. <laughs> it's going to save you guys a lot of problems. <laughs> Okay, humility. 
all of you guys have pretty much been in relationships for the most part, not every single one, okay? This is a common topic for teenagers, okay? This is a very common thing in youth groups. They date, right? Whether I like it or not, they do it. So I'm going to give you some advice. Dating, dating advice, work on being humble. <laughs> How does that work? Don't think of yourself so much. Okay? And here's, this is just, this is total off track. <laughs> I'll bring up the last scripture to bring it all together, okay? <laughs> Second Corinthians 8. You guys want to talk about this stuff in your group? Go ahead. <laughs> Second Corinthians 8, verse 9 through 11. This is Paul talking to the church. Now, in this specific situation, Paul is talking to a church that promised to give a certain amount to Jerusalem for a collection that happened every year they would bring this offering to Jerusalem to help the believers that were being persecuted there, okay? So Paul is saying, he, he's basically calling them out and saying, hey, you guys, you promised to give this much, and you're not even close yet. <laughs> you basically gave up or forgot about it. You decided, you know what, never mind. I'm not going to do that anymore, okay? Made a promise, didn't fall through. So here's what he says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, say he was rich. What's that? He was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Say he became poor. So that you by his poverty might become rich. Guys, that's like, that's humility, right? It just describes all the more everything Jesus did on this earth was not for him. It was for you. Him literally coming here was all for you. He wasn't thinking about himself at all, okay? He became poor that we might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you. Who, a year ago, this is where he's talking about what they promised, okay? Who, a year ago, started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well. CJ. Finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. So this is what I want to say with this. Imagine if Jesus didn't complete his work. We would be done for. Think about that. We're talking about Christmas time, right? And I haven't, this isn't like some really super intense Christmas message, okay? But think about it. What good is Christmas if there was never an Easter? What good is Christmas if there was never an Easter? What good would his birth be if he never died for you? Why would we celebrate the Savior of the world coming if he never saved us? <laughs> That's what holidays are about. Holidays are about 
I mean, it depends on your family, but listen, hey, no, but Christmas is all about Jesus. Easter is all about Jesus. Those are the only two holidays I mentioned. No, 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 absolutely not. All right, hey, listen up, listen up, CJ. Easter gives Christmas its glory. Easter gives Christmas its magnificence, its wonderfulness, its sweetness, its power, its awesomeness. Christmas, we would never have it if Jesus never died for us. It would never be a holiday. It would never be important. At least it wouldn't be a holiday where we celebrate the birth of the Savior. Because he wouldn't be our savior then. Right? But thank God that he did. Thank God that he did all the way to the cross. He was obedient unto death. To die for us. Because he didn't have to for himself. This is what true humility looks like. is Jesus choosing to leave heaven and say, I am going to be a baby to start out, (laughs) go through this life, bit by bit, just like they would, but be perfect and lay my life down for them. Because without him being perfect, it wouldn't work for us. That's why he had to be perfect. I want you guys to think about the things that you've, over this last year, this is the last sermon for the entire year that I'm giving, okay? Last one. Crazy. Next week is the Christmas party. Don't forget. Okay? We'll talk about it next week. But listen, what things have you desired to do for God that weren't for yourself? What acts of humility do you feel that God placed in your heart and said, I want you to do this for me? I want you to talk to that person at school about me. I want you to step up your game at home and be a good son or daughter. I want you to step up your game at home and be a good sibling. Stop fighting with your siblings all the time. What things has God put in your heart? Maybe he's doing it now. What things did God speak to you at Desperation Conference this summer? Some of you have totally forgotten about it. Maybe you do remember, but do you remember the things that God told you? No, I want you to think about it in sense of this passage where Paul is telling the church, listen, you guys made a promise. You said you were going to do this. You were excited to do it. What happened? I feel like, CJ, we'll just wait till after. I feel like one of the biggest reasons why commitments we make to God, promises we make to God get shelved. Listen up. Hey. I feel like one of the biggest reasons why promises we make to God and things that God tells us to do that we say, yes, God, I'm going to do it for you. Why those things get shelved, put in the back burner, is often because of selfishness. It's because we go, well, I'm tired. Well, I just really don't want to do it yet. Or "Um, maybe next week. Or maybe... Maybe I had the wrong idea. Maybe it's not me. You know? 
we try to save our own skin. We try to save our own reputation. Well, I don't want to be seen as that really religious person. Guys, my own family has called me religious. I mean, it's, it's weird. I was like, what? Like, I thought we were all believers here. <laughs> They're like, well, yeah, but, I mean, you're, like, religious, though. And I'm like, that's pretty much what I said. <laughs> but I want you guys to think about these things, and we're going to get into our groups and talk about it. What things has God told you to do that you're like, oh, yeah, I haven't done that. <laughs> I really push that to the side. And I want you to think consciously why you did it. Why didn't it get accomplished? Why didn't you do it? And I'm telling you the way Paul did. Do it so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completion of it. Get it done. Choose humility and say, God, this is for you now. It's not for me. I'm going to choose to take a step forward for you, not for myself this time. Okay? All right. Leaders, come on up. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you that you, you came for us, but that you not just came for us, that you also died for us. Jesus, Christmas would be no good without Easter. And we thank you for what you did so that Christmas really is awesome. Guys, Jada, behind you, please. Next row. Thank you. God, we thank you for what you did. We thank you for your goodness and that you chose humility for 33 years of your life. Every bit of it, every step of it every crawl of it. As you were crawling as a baby, you knew that was all going to be part of your life. You were going to have to be dependent on people for your livelihood. And I can't imagine the humility that you had to feel. The God that you chose it, knowing full well what it meant for us. We thank you for that.